Welcome to a brand new episode of My Favorite Movies, the podcast in which I count down my 100 favorite movies week by week. And I am, as always, your host, Chris. So in the last episode, we talked about numbers 8 and 7 on my list of my 100 favorite movies. That was Dogtooth and Before Sunrise. On today's episode, we will be covering numbers 6 and number 5 on my list of my 100 favorite movies. Number 6... Magnolia, the 1999 epic drama film by Paul Thomas Anderson. And number five, Mulholland Drive, the 2001 film by David Lynch. On the next episode of My Favorite Movies, we're covering numbers four and number three on my list of my favorite movies. Number four, we're going to keep talking about Paul Thomas Anderson and talk about his second film, probably the one that really put him on the map, I would say. We're talking Boogie Nights from 1997. Of course, written, produced, and directed by Paul Thomas Anderson. And just like Magnolia, it's all about the San Fernando Valley, where I live. PTA is my dude. Anyway, um, more specifically, uh, it's about uh, the porn industry in the 70s through the 80s, I would say, or going into the 80s. Great movie. Unfortunately, not streaming anywhere. So I hope you own it. You could rent it. Folks, look, if you have not seen Boogie Nights, I cannot recommend it enough. You got to watch it. Also on the next episode, number three on my list of my favorite movies Swiss Army Man. Swiss Army Man is a 2016 indescribable film written and directed by Daniels. Now, Daniels are two gentlemen named Daniel Kwan and Daniel Scheinert. I hope I'm saying his last name correctly. Um, But yeah, they're just two guys named Daniel. They've made some music videos. And this is, I want to say, like their first feature film. And uh, it's incredible. Here's the thing. And we could talk about this when I talk about it on the next episode. I've only ever seen Swiss Army Man one time. Uh, I watched it and fell head over heels and immediately said, wow, this is one of my favorite movies of all time. Maybe in the top three. And that's how I got on the list. Way up there. So here's hoping that this movie is just as good on the rewatch. Or, you know, I, who knows? Maybe I was just in a funky mood that day and just really needed this movie. Either way, I mean, there's a reason why it's very high on the list. It's uh, it it affected me. I I don't I don't. Maybe I was going through some shit. I don't know. But I <laughs> I cried watching the movie. I cried as soon as it was over. I woke up the next morning and I cried again just thinking about the movie. <laughs> and then I bought the soundtrack and proceeded to cry while I was listening to the soundtrack. I don't know. You know, look, it has happened before where I've watched a movie. And I've, you know, bawled my face off. And then I watch it a second time and I'm like, oh, okay, yeah, fine. It's a fine movie. I don't know. I love movies. And I would say I'm an empath. Actually, I wouldn't say I'm an empath. I would say I'm an empathetic person. Saying you're an empath just sounds weird, you know. (laughs) Anyway, Swiss Army Man cannot wait to talk about it. Distributed by A24. Premiered at the Sundance Film Festival 2016. Swiss Army Man, starring Paul Dano and Daniel Radcliffe. 
Paul Dano has been on this list before. He was in There Will Be Blood. Uh, Mary Elizabeth Winstead is also in the film. She was on this list already. She was in The Spectacular Now. And I bet she's, oh, of course, she's in Swiss Army. I mean, <laughs> um, Scott Pilgrim versus the world. She's in some good stuff. I love her. Let me just go through her uh, filmography real quick. Death Proof is good. Not on the list, though. The Thing. The Thing is very good. Not on the list. I mean, the original The Thing is, of course. Of course. Uh, Faults is good. Ten Cloverfield Lane is good. Oh, she's in Gemini Man. I guess I got to watch that movie. Did you know Gemini Man? This is just a quick tangent. I follow some director on Twitter. I can't remember who it was, but he was posting, um, he posted like a, like a sizzle reel or something of when he wanted to make Gemini Man in the 90s. And he was pitching it to a studio. And the way he pitched it was he cut together some footage for some, from some trailers featuring, because he wanted to make this film with Clint Eastwood in the 90s. So he cut some footage together of some more recent Clint Eastwood films to show him as like an older Clint Eastwood. This was again, this was him in the 90s or maybe early 2000s. I don't remember, I, you know, but it was this was a while back and uh, and also cut it with footage of old. I mean, young, you know what I mean? Clint Eastwood from like his Dirty Harry days and stuff. And, um, you know, kind of cool. You know, it was just like a this is how we would do it if I were able to make this movie studio. Please let me make it. And obviously they said no or something happened. I don't know. And then it came out with Will Smith. And that's the end of that story. So, yep, that's uh, that's going to be on the next episode, which I hope will be later this week. I was hoping this episode would be out earlier, but um, but it just did not happen. I'm very sorry. What have I been doing recently? Well, I've been watching movies. So let's talk about what movies I've watched recently, right? Okay, since we last spoke. Friday the 13th, part six. Part six is Jason Lives. All right, so part four was, um, no, maybe part five is, part six is, shoot. Now I got to look this up. (laughs) Part four is the final chapter. Yes, part six is Jason Lives. Oh, part five is A New Beginning. Right, okay. So part six, Jason Lives. Very good. Maybe my second favorite uh, Friday the 13th movie. And you know, before this, I watched the Halloween series. Uh, I just want to say that I've always loved the Halloween series, particularly because the first one is such a classic. Obviously, it's in my top 100 favorite movies. But as a whole, I think maybe Friday the 13th is a little bit of a better series, you know? There are more high points or more average points, I guess. Halloween has more low points, I would say. Five, six, even three. I know people like three. Two, not great, you know, but, you know, Friday the 13th, you know, one is fine, two is excellent, three is fine, four is good, five is not very good, six is excellent, seven is fine, eight gets less fine, nine is even less fine, no, nine maybe, no, okay, nine is less fine, Jason X, number 10, probably the worst, sorry, but then after that, you have Freddy versus Jason, which really isn't even a Friday the 13th movie. It's a Freddy movie featuring Jason, and it's fine. And the Friday the 13th reboot is great. Probably the third or fourth best. I mean, it may, I think maybe the first one is a little bit better than the remake, but the remake really does give the original 
a little run for his money, you know? Anyway, that's Friday the 13th Corner. So yeah, Friday the 13th, part six, part seven, part eight, goes to hell, Jason X, Freddy vs. Jason, Friday remake. I've watched all those since we last spoke. I also watched Clifford. Remember Clifford? With Charles Grodin and Martin Short and Mary Steenburgen. Um, I hadn't seen this movie since I was six or seven, maybe younger. I have no idea. Um, that's a demented, wild movie that I d- never fully comprehended when I was young. I don't know if I fully got that Martin Short was a grown man playing a child. Uh, you know, maybe I, I don't know. But watching it now, I'm like, this is unsettling and weird and pretty good. There's a scene where um, Charles Gordon's like, yeah, and I, I I have a nephew. And Mary Steenburgen's like, what? You've never mentioned your nephew? What's his name? And he goes, I want to say Mason? Clifford. Clifford. <laughs> I want to say Mason? <laughs> uh, Friday the 13th, part eight. Uh, Yee. Why I, why I? Um, some people call it one of the greatest movies ever made. I thought it was pretty good. A lot of great moments. Long movie. Three hours. Um, some very beautiful dialogue in it. And it seemed like a very beautiful love story. However, it just never fully grabbed me, you know? And lastly, I watched The Wild Bunch. Folks, also during this quarantine, I've been playing, you know, playing some video games because so much time on your hands and stuff. And I finished Red Dead Redemption 2. And I just want to say, playing the Wild Bunch after Red Dead Redemption was just like a perfect little dessert. Just a little icing on the cake. Loved it. So fun. Obviously, the opening and closing scenes are incredible. You know, two big shootouts. But there's a scene in the middle of that movie with a train. And it's like a... It's a heist. It's a, it's all, Actually, you know what? It's... A lot like that Breaking Bad episode with the train robbery. It's got a very similar, you know, just everything about it. It's great. So if you ever get a chance, check out The Wild Bunch. I recommend it. I own it on DVD. And it was weird. I thought it was a, because um, it was a double-sided DVD. So I figured one side was like widescreen or something. So I tossed that one in. And then suddenly I'm like in the middle of the movie. And I realized that this was a DVD that I had to flip over after 90 minutes. Like a like a cassette tape, you know? Very strange. Why couldn't they fit all... I mean, I guess it was an old DVD. I, I, why You can't fit a whole movie on that thing? So strange. So strange. Anyway, that's all I've watched recently. Now I'm going to recommend you a little something-something. I don't know if I've talked about it before. And I definitely talked about it, but did I recommend it? I don't know. I'm going to recommend that you watch a little movie currently on Hulu called Greener Grass. Greener Grass. It's a little indie flick made by the stars. You know, they they wrote, directed, and starred in it, as far as I know. Um, a lot of great cast members in it. Um, some SNL cast members are in it. Very strange, very wild movie. Very surreal. Very weird. Right up my alley. I enjoyed it a lot. Check out Greener Grass. Currently on Hulu. Okay. The time has come, the walrus said. Let's talk about the first movie on the list today. We're talking number six, Magnolia. 
As I mentioned earlier, Magnolia came out in 1999, which, as we all know, is one of the greatest years in cinema. 1999, check it out, a lot of great movies that year. It's an epic drama film written, co-produced, and directed by Paul Thomas Anderson, or PTA. It stars Tom Cruise, Philip Baker Hall, Philip Seymour Hoffman, Ricky Jay, William H. Macy, Alfred Molina, Julianne Moore, John C. Riley, Jason Robards, Melora Walters, and according to Wikipedia, it's a mosaic of interrelated characters in search of happiness, forgiveness, and meaning in the San Fernando Valley. According to Wikipedia, the San Fernando Valley is an urbanized valley in Los Angeles, in the Los Angeles metro area, defined by the mountains of the transverse ranges circling it, home to 1.77 million people, including yours truly. It is north of the larger, more populous Los Angeles Basin, which of course is Hollywood and everything below it. (laughs) Yep. I love the valley. Yeah, I mean, what do we talk about? Let's just get to the notes, right? Why not? Well, first I'll say the first time I saw it, no idea. But my reaction to it, loved it. I've always considered this movie a masterpiece. It's been one of my favorite movies ever since I saw it. Let's get to the notes. So we start off with the narrator. All that stuff is good. He's talking about some of these like coincidences that have happened, such as the time that this guy got uh, got murdered by three men. It was in this area called Greenberry Hill, or that was the name of his store. And he was murdered by a guy named Green, a guy named Barry, and a guy named Hill. Another coincidence uh, is about a scuba diver who also was a uh, like a blackjack dealer. And one day, this guy who seemed to be like maybe a little bit of a gambling addict. Uh, went in there and busted and uh, threatened the blackjack dealer. And uh, the next day, maybe a couple of days later, the blackjack dealer is now scuba diving in a lake somewhere. There's a big forest fire happening nearby. So a plane comes and scoops up some water and scoops up the scuba diver and dumps it on the fire. And the scuba diver is found on the top of a tree dead. Turns out the person flying the plane was... The gambling addict who threatened the scuba diving blackjack player, blackjack dealer. Coincidence? Another one is about a suicide murder. Murder suicide. <laughs> um, Attempted murder. No, I mean, I guess, okay, l- let me tell you what happened. So it's about this gentleman that jumped off of a building, right? About halfway down, he is shot through a window Um, and... Before he hits the ground, there was actually a safety net installed for some window wipers, which I will say you think he would have seen when he looked down and he was jumping. But hey, maybe he didn't look down. Who knows? Well, it turns out the person who fired the gun out the window while the body was, you know, falling towards the ground uh, turned out to be his own mother who was threatening his father uh, with a gun, which she tends to do sometimes. Uh, however, they they never keep the gun loaded. So she pulls the trigger and shoots, uh, and it goes out the window. And it just happens to hit her son, who is trying to commit suicide. Well, how did the gun get loaded? Well, it turns out the son, who is jumping off the building, loaded the gun, 
because there was a another witness who saw him do it, a little kid who lived in the building as well, and he was saying that he he loaded the gun because his, his mom's always threatening to kill his dad, so like, why don't they just do it already, you know? And so he was just kind of hoping it would happen. And uh, but he didn't realize that, you know, they were going to shoot the gun right as he was trying to kill himself, which he would not have been able to do because of the net. So it's not a suicide. It's a murder because the mother shot the gun through the window and killed him. That was the murder. It wasn't the, you know, it wouldn't have hit the ground. It wasn't hitting the net, blah, blah, blah. So so the mother gets arrested for the murder of her son, even though he was trying to kill himself. And, uh, yeah, it's, you know, it's just a weird thing. But the narrator's like, hey, these cannot be merely coincidences. These strange things happen all the time. One is the loneliest number that you'll ever do. Then you get one by Amy Mann. Great. And then we get introduced to all the characters. And my goodness, there are a lot. We've got Frank T.J. Mackey, played by Tom Cruise. He's doing like this infomercial type thing, Seduce and Destroy. And what's interesting, the Safdie brothers who directed Good Time, Uncut Gems, Heaven Knows What, you know, um, they saw those infomercials when they were younger and they were like, what? Anyway, just think that's cool. They may have even called the number just to see what was up. Uh, Then you got Jimmy Gator. He's a game show host. He's played by Philip Baker Hall who was one of the greatest voices ever of all time. Also, he was in the film Dogville, and he was very good. Wizkid Stanley, don't know his name. He's just a little smart kid who um, who we will see later on a game show. His dad is an aspiring actor here in L.A., and he is um, abusive, emotionally abusive for sure. Then you have uh, Wizkid Donnie Smith. I should say, let's not call Wizkid Stanley. Let's just say he's Stanley, he's just a kid. But Wizkid Donnie Smith. Now grown up, William H. Macy. Uh, he's just a, a kid who won some money on a game show when he was young because he was smart. And now he's trying to sell furniture. And then you have Jason Robards, Earl Partridge. He's dying of cancer. His uh, home nurse, Philip Seymour Hoffman, Phil, named in the movie. And then you have Linda Partridge. That's Earl's wife, played by Julianne Moore, who's considerably younger than Jason Robards. And um, she's losing it, you know. Jim is a cop played by John C. Riley in the uh, LAPD, North Hollywood District. What up, what up? Very altruistic. Um, just very, uh, just really is just trying to do good. He's he's a good guy. And uh, yeah, and it's just about all these people um, connecting and stuff, you know. Phil and Earl. Phyllis Seymour Hoffman and Jason Robards, just two legends. And this is Jason Robards' last film. Uh, Earl reveals that his son is Frank Mackey of the Seduce and Destroy thing. And so Phil needs to try and get in touch with him because he wants to talk to his uh, son. You know, Earl wants to speak to Frank. Meanwhile, Frank is, you know, his infomercial stuff, Seduce and Destroy, it teaches men how to be like men's rights activists, pickup artist type things. It's gross and awful, but whatever. Then we have Claudia, that's Melora Walter. She's Jimmy Gator's daughter. She's just, um, she's she does a lot of cocaine in the film, and she's just kind of losing it, and it's very sad, very sad. Uh, Wizkid Donnie Smith, he works at uh, the furniture store, like I said. Alfred Molina is his boss. He's basically getting fired because Donnie's just not pulling his weight. 
He got hired because he thought he would bring in some people, but he's just not doing a good job, you know? Uh, a lot of great tracking shots in this film, specifically one with um, Stanley, the child prodigy type kid, um, going into the studio, getting ready to do the show. Felicity Huffman is the coordinator. She escorts Stanley around. She's great. Uh, the score is really great, really drives the movie forward. Just everything's just constantly like you're just being it's a ride, really. You're just being driven forward through the plot. It's incredible. Claudia, Claudia Gator, noise complaint. So Officer Jim has got to come visit her. Uh, Phil trying to get a hold of Frank Mackey is trying to figure out how to, you know, get his number or something. So he calls the groceries for delivery and asks for some food. And then he's like, uh, do you guys have a Playboy? I'm like, yeah. He's like, okay, cool, great. Um, I'll take one of those. Uh, penthouse? You guys? She's like, yeah, okay. Take one of those as well. And um, do you guys have a hustler? Yeah. <laughs> really? You guys have a hustler? Huh. Um, yeah, I'll, 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 I'll take one of those too. And, um, and yeah, that'll be it. And you hear the person on the phone go, okay, cool. Do you still want the food? <laughs> and he's like, yeah, why? <laughs> very funny, very funny. Luis Guzman is in this. He plays a game show contestant. Ricky Jay is Jimmy Gator's right-hand man. He's good. Great scene in a pharmacy with uh, Linda Partridge. You know, Pat Healy's a pharmacist, and Linda's trying to get a bunch of these drugs for her husband, and he's like, hey, you know, you have quite a party with all these drugs, okay? Uh, so, you know, just just be careful, lady. And uh, And she breaks down, and she's like, you suck my dick, and you call me lady? Shame on you. Shame on you. Um, She's so good in this movie. There's a great scene where Philip Seymour Hoffman is talking on the phone. He finally gets the Frank Mackey number. And he's trying to get a hold of actual Frank Mackey. So he's like jumping through hoops. And he's trying to call and be like, hey, I'm not calling to order something. Like I really need to speak to your supervisor. I'm trying to get a hold of blah, blah, blah. And he's like, "There's there's a line where he basically says like, this is like a scene in a movie where, you know, the guy is trying to call and, and, and he needs a favor, you know, like, except this is not a movie. This is real life, you know. Um, he's like, this is that scene. Uh, very cool. Very meta in a way. Uh, very cool. Uh, at the game show, Jimmy Gator's drunk. Stanley has to pee. It's very, you know, it, everything's getting more and more stressful. It's building up to this climax. It's storming. Meanwhile, Linda Partridge, she goes to an attorney friend. And she basically confides in him and says, yeah, I married Earl for money. I was a gold digger. I was awful. I cheated on him. But now I've fallen in love with him. I, I'm falling in love with him as he's dying. And I... I don't want the will money. I just, I don't want it anymore. Like she basically says like, I married him for money, but now that he, I'm losing him, I'm I'm in love with him. I'm falling in love with him. And I just don't want to go through with this. I don't want the the money. I don't want it. And the attorney's like, well, you know, like if you don't take the money, it's going to go to his next living relative. And you know, that's Frank Mackey. And she's like, no, no, he can't get the money. He doesn't want Frank to have the money, blah, 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 blah. It's very interesting. Meanwhile, back at the game show, we're cutting back and forth a lot, let me just say. The kids are losing. Stanley pees his pants. Jimmy Gator really starts losing his place and stuttering. And then he he gives away the answer. It's a real, like, that scene is incredible. 
Philip Baker Hall really knocks that out of the park where he just like he's just like, all right, play play the next song. I, I believe it's a piece by by blah blah blah, and it it's called blah blah blah. Um, which I I, I, I guess I, I I just I just gave away the answer. Um, you know, and then he he collapses. And they go to like the technical difficulties card. Very cool. Claudia and Jim start talking and stuff. Jim's like, well, you got to turn this music down, Claudia. And Claudia's like hyped up on Coke. And Jim asks Claudia on a date. Um, she's very good in this. She's also in the show Pen 15. She plays um, uh, one of the girl's mothers. I can't remember her name. Um, the, the the young lady in the show. She plays the the white girl's mom. <laughs> Um, I love Pin 15. Good show. Also on Hulu. Check it out. The interviewer, Frank Mackey is sitting down for an interview, and uh, the interviewer brings up Earl Partridge. She thinks that he's his father, and Frank Mackey has like, tried to hide this for so long. Um, the score is incredible. Just wanted to throw that out there. William H. Macy, he has a great monologue in this bar because he he is falling in love with a bartender who has braces. So one way that Bill Macy, Quiz Kid Donnie Smith, is going to woo this bartender is he himself is going to get some oral surgery, get some braces done. By the way, uh, I had like a first date at that bar, <laughs> the bar where that was filmed. Uh, I met a young lady there, um, had no idea it was the Magnolia Bar. And I just, I, I was sitting there, a little piece of history, and I had no idea. Watching it this time, this is the first time I've watched it since I've moved to LA, and I've I've started to notice that I've been to a lot of these places. You know, I live right around the corner from one of these places. Um, Officer Jim, he chases down this guy, gets fired at. He drops his gun. We see this little rapper kid from earlier grab it and run, and and Jim has to continue looking around for it. It's very sad. He just he lost his gun, and he he can't go on without it, which is true. Like you know. An officer loses a gun, game over. It's not good. Linda, Julianne Moore, she almost commits suicide in her garage. Um, Meanwhile, Frank Mackey has ended the interview in a huff, and it's awful. And he's screaming at Mary Lynn Rice Cub on the phone. Uh, She played um, Chloe on 24. Was that her name? The little hacker girl? Mary Lynn Rice Cub? She's great. Um, But Linda decides not to commit suicide, and she goes inside and she sees Phil is trying to get Frank Mackey on the phone, and she stops Phil, and she she yells at him. She slaps him. They stop the game show. Jim is crying in the rain, looking for the gun, praying to God for help. Uh, as the game show is over, you see a little title card at the end. It's produced by Earl Partridge, Big Earl Partridge Productions. So you you see that he's involved at the game show because he's the, you know, TV producer. And uh, now the rain is giving way. You know, everything's calming down again. I like that. When everything is very heavy and, and and just tough, the rain is very strong. As things are calming down, the rain goes away. Earl kind of wakes up and he's talking to Phil, Phil Seymour Hoffman, about how he cheated on his ex countless times. He loved her and he cheated on her all the time because he felt like that was like the manly thing to do. And he regrets it. And he later left her. And he says, the goddamn regret. The biggest regret of my life. I let my love go. Whew. He's so good in this movie. 
Meanwhile, Stanley, the the young prodigy, breaks into a library to read about young prodigies. And then we see a shot of an intersection. And if you see the the street sign hanging from the the, the the pole, it says Magnolia. But that, my friends, is victory. That is victory in Laurel Canyon. You can see the Valley Plaza sign right there. Uh, it's still there, folks. Victory in Laurel Canyon. Now there is a Ross dresser less there. But yeah, right there, and then it has a little a card. It says, rain clearing, breezy overnight. I love that. Every once in a while, it comes up, and it shows you what the weather is like that day. It's great. Anyway, I walk through that intersection a lot. You know, that's one way I go to get groceries. It's one way to go to the movie theater. And yeah, didn't know it's featured predominantly in this film. Frank Mackey comes to Earl's place, and he says, hey, Phil. Not going to Philip Seymour Hoffman, who... He later started Mission Impossible 3 and with <laughs> bad grammar. Um, he says, hey, Phil, I will drop kick those fucking dogs if they come near me. And then he gets inside and he's like, okay, cool. I'm just going to stand here and then we'll do this later. Okay, yeah, I'll come inside, blah, blah, blah. And again, Phil, I will drop kick those fucking dogs if they come near me. Jim and Claudia go on a date. It's very cute. And she says... Now that you've met me, would you object to never seeing me again? Interesting. Frank cries to Earl, says he hates him, says he's not going to cry about him. He talks about his mom dying of cancer and how Earl just left her. He wasn't there for her. Meanwhile, Jimmy Gator is confessing to his wife that he was a cheater. And William H. Macy is robbing his place of business. And Jimmy Gator's wife leaves Jimmy after finding out more awful information about his past. And they get to that same intersection from earlier at Magnolia. But secretly, it's Laurel Canyon and Victory. And right there, Miss Gator is stopped. And Wizkid Donnie Smith is stopped. They're, they're on the opposite sides of the intersection. And he has like a change of heart. And he decides to make a U-turn. He turns around back down Laurel Canyon towards towards Magnolia. <laughs> um... Because he's going to go back and put the money back, you know? Meanwhile, Jimmy Gator is in his place alone. He pulls out a gun. He's going to shoot himself. And as John C. Riley makes a U-turn, because he sees William H. Macy climbing up a ladder. So John C. Riley makes a U-turn to go check that out. And then a frog falls right on his windshield. And then you see like a POV of like a rain droplet, you know? But it's a frog and you watch it like calm down. And uh, one, like, falls right through the skylight where Jimmy Gator is trying to kill himself. And so it, it hits his arm so he doesn't shoot himself. It, like, shoots a lamp or something. Uh, and then it just starts raining frogs. And it's like it's like the earthquake in Shortcuts, the Robert Altman film. It's like the thing that everyone experiences at the end. And it's like, I don't know. By the way, PTA loves Robert Altman and he loves Jonathan Demme. Just want to throw that out there. And in the scene, I think Philip Seymour Hoffman has one of the most difficult lines to deliver. He has to say, how are there frogs falling from the sky? He has to say that. <laughs> and he does it. And he does it well. He, hell of a line. Delivery. How are there frogs falling from the sky? Anyway, Claudia's mom goes to Claudia. 
and uh, and they they hug each other and and cover duck for cover, and then it zooms in on a painting at Claudia's place, and it says, "But it did happen." Uh, and then it cuts to black, and it says, "So now then," and the narrator comes back in, and he's just like, "So now, what happens?" Blah 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 blah, and he just starts narrating everything that's happening, sort of. I miss Philip Seymour Hoffman. I miss him so much. God, I wish he were back with us. I miss him. I miss him. I miss him. Stan goes into where his dad is like sleeping on the bed or something. And Stan just kind of like wakes him up and he says, Dad, you need to be nicer to me. And he says, go to bed. And he says, Dad, you need to be nicer to me. And then at the very end, a uh, a gun falls out of the sky and just like, just lands right in front of Jim and Wizkid Donnie Smith as they're s- sitting uh, at a uh, at a gas station that is actually in Reseda, a little bit further in the valley. This would be pretty far from everything else happening, closer to North Hollywood. <laughs> um, but hey, that area will actually we will cover next week or on next episode when we talk about Boogie Nights because that is heavily in Reseda, Re- heavily in Reseda. Um, it's heavily in Reseda. Um, and at the very end, Jim goes to Claudia's place and you hear Amy Mann Save Me playing and, and and you can kind of hear what Jim is saying, what John C. Riley is saying to Claudia, Melora Walters. But he's basically saying like, hey, you know, we need to, we need to good, we need to be good people. We need to look out for each other, blah, 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 blah. And she's just like sitting there and she's got tears in her eyes and, and she seems very happy and she's just looking at him. And then he sits down on the bed and he's just, he keeps talking to her. The camera's behind him, just looking at her over the shoulder. And at the very end, she just kind of looks at the camera and she kind of smiles. And then it's a cut to black. And that, my friends, is Magnolia. Hell of a movie. Hell of a movie. God, it was like so good. I mean, it's a masterpiece. You know it. I know it. We all know it. Uh, favorite scene, um, uh, you know, the frogs falling from the sky is good. Uh, but I also love like, you know, when everything is getting very intense and, uh, the score is really pumping. I also love the, the Frank and Earl scene. Look, I mean, a lot of great scenes in this. Would it move up or down? I think it's good where it is. I think this is definitely in my top five, you know, wait, what is this? Six? (laughs) Uh, it's definitely in my top six. <laughs> um, yeah. Okay. I think that's it. Next up, number five on my list of my 100 favorite movies, Mulholland Drive. Now, Mulholland Drive is a 2001 American neo-noir mystery film written and directed by David Lynch. And it stars Naomi Watts, Laura Herring, Justin Theroux, Ann Miller, Mark Pellegrino, and the late, the great Robert Forster. And it tells the story of an aspiring actress named Betty, newly arrived in Los Angeles, who meets and befriends. I think this is about as far as I got in the synopsis last time before I stopped and was like, hey, if you haven't seen this movie, you should watch it. And don't let me spoil anything. So the thing about Mulholland Drive is it was originally a pilot that was shot in 1999. And it was going to be, it was open-ended so that a potential series would come in, you know? However, the TV execs, they weren't 
into it. So they just, they didn't want it. And so what Studio Canal did, the French company, they gave Lynch like, I, I don't know, $7 million to finish the film. And so he he tagged on an ending to it. Literally, like, and that's a criticism that people have about this film. They feel like the ending is, like, tacked on. Uh, but um, it kind of was, I guess. So I did not write a lot of notes, and I do not expect to be talking very long about this movie because it is a mystery film that you should go and experience yourself. Swing dancing, shadow cells, people in those shadows. So you have three sets of people. You've got the people in the foreground, uh, the silhouettes, and then you have the people inside the silhouettes, you know? Very interesting. There's the crash on Mulholland Drive, finding refuge, the Winkies diner, the man behind Winkies, LAX, this is the girl. What's the photo for? Billy Ray Cyrus. Very, very reasonable person, Billy Ray Cyrus. Come on, man. Corral. (laughs) Let's say there's a buggy. The audition. This is the girl. Diane Selwyn's apartment. Silencio. Silencio. Silencio, no hay banda. No hay banda. (laughs) All right, and that's all the notes I took. (laughs) Did you like that? Did you like just the words? (laughs) What's the photo for? That's Justin Thoreau. And look, there's some more stuff that happens after that. They go to Club Silencio. Jorando. Crying by Roy Orbison in Espanol. Um, Rebecca Del Rio, Queen. She was in Twin Peaks The Return. And then, you know, the blue puzzle box, and then everything goes back to normal, and then it's um, crazy. I don't need to explain it. It's a wild, wild movie, and you should watch it. I'm sorry I didn't take a lot of notes on it. Let's just go through the plot where we were. Diane Selwyn wakes up in her bed. She looks like Betty, but is a failed actress, driven into a deep depression by her failed affair with Camilla Rhodes, a successful actress who looks exactly like Rita. So Diane and Camilla are the real people. Betty and Rita are just figments. And the way it all kind of unfolds at the very end. And um, yeah, it's great. Sorry, I don't have. I didn't take notes. I didn't take any notes. I'm sorry. I was watching the movie. That's the thing. And you know, it's a good thing because we're already like too long. I spoke too long about Magnolia. If you really want to hear more about Mulholland Drive, I have an episode of the podcast from a long time ago. In fact, it was probably called Gems in the Stream. Yep, July twentieth, twenty seventeen. If you go all the way back to Gems in the Stream. I talk about Mulholland Drive uh, with my friend Meg, and I talk about it for almost 90 minutes. That's crazy, right? There's no way. I talked about other stuff. Oh, yeah. The Masks, Suspiria, Birthday Boys, Mr. Show. I I don't need to keep talking, (laughs) right? We can be done with this. Oh, before I go, 
The first time I watched Mulholland Drive. Okay, here's the thing about growing up in the age of the internet and having a curiosity for film. You tend to accidentally spoil certain things. For instance, in Twin Peaks, I know who killed Laura Palmer before I watched it. And yeah, it did sort of affect my viewing. It was kind of a bummer, but still one of my favorite shows of all time. Uh, This one, I'm pretty sure I knew a lot of or most of what was going on sort of uh, before I saw it. That You know, that's not to say that if you do know what's going on that you're going to understand the movie. Because like a lot of Lynch's work, you know, there are still questions. Not everything is so cleanly narrative. Even though I would say this one is one of the more A to B surrealism type things, right? I mean, it's not, I don't know. I don't know. I don't even know what I'm saying. Just forget it. Forget everything I'm saying. I guess I'm just saying, like, between this and Eraserhead, mm, this one is definitely the one that um, you'd probably have an easier time explaining, you know? Okay. And would it move up or down? I think it is good where it is. It might move down behind Magnolia. But, you know, I mean, I, I saw this in the theater a couple months ago, and it was incredible. Incredible to see on film. Highly recommend it. Um, but the Blu-ray, my God, the... Mulholland Drive Blu-ray is beautiful. It's exquisite. Check it out. Next week, number four and number three, Boogie Nights and Swiss Army Man. Swiss Army Man is currently streaming on Canopy and Netflix. And unfortunately, Boogie Nights is not streaming as far as I know. Uh, Leave us a rating on Apple Podcasts. Like, review, find us on... Facebook, even though I I really never post anything on that thing. In fact, this podcast may not even exist. Who knows? It might as well not. We're getting so close. (sighs) Do you hear me yawning? I'm getting like senioritis for this podcast. It's like I just got to watch four more movies and record two more podcasts. Even though I have considered like maybe I should just record one for each. Because obviously this Magnolia one, this was mainly Magnolia. And I spoke for almost how long about Magnolia? 30, 35 minutes? I don't know. Okay, well, um, well, that's that. So, uh, you know, like I said, like, subscribe, leave a rating, blah, 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 blah. Really, it's just, it's really, really just an honor just to watch my favorite movies, you know? That's just the cool part. Okay, until next time. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.